Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer Clary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. I have a really special guest today, very special guest. Um, I'm, I'm going to introduce you to my daughter, Zoe. Zoe is on the Connected Parenting team. She's, she's, uh, she does pediatric work with kids. She'll tell you a little bit more about what she does, but she helps kids um, really understand how to control their emotions so they don't control them. And she's got some pretty amazing ways of getting kids to engage and understand that they are the thinker of their thoughts and they feel their feelings. So we'll have a conversation with her about that. I also want to talk to her a little bit about, um, you know, what's important uh, in therapy for kids, some kind of do's and don'ts. How can you make things work better for your children when they're involved in uh, therapy or with a, with a life coach? Um, some things that maybe don't work so well. And then we'll spend a little bit of time talking about what it's like to um, be raised with, um, with mirroring. So I'm really excited to have her on. So Zoe, hi. Hi. It's How are you? Here. <laughs> this is so weird, but I love it. I know. All right. So, so I wanted to kind of start with, you work with kids and mostly 12 and under, right? Yeah. yeah. I do some teens, uh, but majority is around nine to 11. 9 to 11. Okay. And so, you know, parents don't always know what, you know, what did, what, what happens in these sessions. And this is not just for connected parenting. This is if you have your child working with anyone one-on-one, which if that's a possibility for you, I think is really quite wonderful. Uh, Parents don't always realize too, that in schools, in public schools, almost every school has a social worker too. So there are people in the schools, guidance counselors, social workers that can also help if your kids are having trouble, if, it, if it's not affordable for you to have uh, individual therapy. But I thought it'd be important to have that conversation. So tell me some of the things that, like, what do you do with kids? What do they come to you for? So for the work I do with kids, um, I don't call myself a therapist. Um, I think for a lot of kids, it sounds stuffy. It sounds mm-hmm. like something they don't want to do. Like they might have homework to do, or it might be too much talking. Or there's something mm-hmm. wrong with them. Exactly. Or a stigma mm-hmm. around the fact that, oh, what's wrong with me? Why do I need to see this person for help? And so I call myself a brain coach or a social coach, depending on what uh, the kids are coming to me for specifically. Um, I help them with a wide range of things. So essentially what I teach them is that everybody has these programs in their brain and they make our brain act certain ways. So fire certain emotions, feel certain ways, have certain behaviors show up. And a lot of the times for our kids with either anxiety problems, if they're gifted, if they've just got really big feelings, um, if they're just got ADHD or any of anything else, or just they're looking to kind of change some things in their brain. Okay. So some kids can be like, there there doesn't necessarily even have to be a presenting problem. It's just having another adult in their life that can teach them things and, and help guide them. Right. It doesn't have to be. Exactly. What I, what I tell the kids that I work with essentially is that 
it's nothing specific with them why they need to see me. I can essentially teach them things that everybody learns at some point in their life. Everyone needs to learn how to talk to friends, how to get along with people, how to control their emotions and their actions so that they don't get in trouble later on when they're adults. These are all things that kids learn over the course of their childhood. It's just that for some of our more sensitive kids, it's causing problems in their lives. They're getting in trouble, mm -hmm. whether it be at school or at home. And they're just feeling a sense of like, what's wrong with me. That's one of the most common things I hear from the kids that I work with. Mm -hmm. And what I try to teach them is nothing essentially. It's just mm -hmm. when you want to learn the things that everyone learns about their brain. And that's what I'm here to do. Like a soccer coach, you can teach yourself soccer in the backyard, but you're going to get better at it faster. If you're part of a team, if you have a coach to guide you and teach you things that they already know through their life experience. And so that's the role I take with these kids where I I'm love a coach that. for their brain. So I can help I love it. teach them these things. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, and I find too, like when, cause I work with kids also, and I find that parents try in some ways. I, I, I mean, you know, you have knowledge and, and I can certainly share things with, with kids that parents wouldn't necessarily know, but parents intuitively, you know, know, want, have things they want to coach their kids on and teach their kids, but kids don't always listen to their parents. It's the same as trying to tutor your child. You don't know, my teacher doesn't do it. You're not a teacher. And it's, well, I've been through grade four before. I know how to do this, but they often won't, they just won't hear it necessarily from their parents. And that doesn't mean you're not a good parent. It doesn't mean you don't have a close connection with your kids. It's just, kids are just like that. Like I couldn't have counseled you when you were a kid. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Like I, you would have had to listen to somebody else. And I think having really important adults in kids' lives that can teach them these things and guide them in these really special ways, I think can be really helpful. So I was wondering if because you, you've, you've learned different stuff than, than I have learned. You've been trained in the connected parenting method and, and in the way that we work with kids one-on-one, -on -one, but you bring some really interesting uh, strategies and, and kind of brain work to this. Have you got like a couple of strategies that you could share with listeners now that they could actually do with their kids if their kids would listen to them? Absolutely. Um, so I guess the first thing I'd like to talk about is like the concept of mindfulness. So the idea is that what I try to um, impart on the kids that I work with is ways for them to control their own emotions. So emotional regulation, um, although I don't really use that word for that with them because it's not mm -hmm. as fun. Um, <laughs> But what we do is we teach them that emotions are information. And so if we want to be able to control our emotions or control the way we react to things, respond, the actions that we take so that we can be um, the director of our own lives and it doesn't feel like mom and dad are always telling us what to do or we're constantly getting in trouble, really gives them a sense of control, um, is we get them to learn how to first identify and acknowledge their emotions. So the idea is that anytime we get a feeling in our body, that's actually information from our brain. So it's our brain trying to tell ourselves something. And the brain's a really interesting organ because it's essentially where all of our thoughts come from, but the parts of our brain don't necessarily talk to each other. And so the communication is not super great there. And so your brain can't tell you, hey, this is what's wrong. So it gives you a feeling in your body. And mm -hmm. when that feeling causes problems for us, we just really want to get rid of it, especially if it's a negative feeling like a sadness or an anger. It's usually mm -hmm. not a good feeling in their tummy. They don't like it and they don't really know why. And so mm -hmm. the first step is to try to get rid of it. But our brain's sending us a signal. It's giving us some information. And if we just ignore that signal and we just try to get rid of the emotion, it might work for a little bit, but it's going to come back. And so the first thing I teach them is trying to be able to acknowledge and notice their emotions, 
but removing any kind of guilt or baggage off of that. So it's not about mm-hmm. like, I feel terrible right now. It's more of a like, this is what it feels like when nothing goes my way and I feel crappy mm-hmm. or whatever word they want to use that feels mm-hmm. most for them. Um, right. And then they can move into some different strategies to clear our emotions. And so our brains work in programs, kind of like a computer where we can upgrade, delete, change, and essentially rewire our brain. And so when we do different strategies to get rid of emotions or calm down our bodies, uh, what we're doing is slowly rewriting the code. And the more we do this practice, the more our brain will naturally start falling into that pattern. We build a new neural pathway and we're able to do it kind of on its own and it becomes a habit. And so two examples of ways to practice controlling your emotions and getting rid of your emotions. The first one is called throw away. So essentially what you do is you close your eyes and you picture your thought, but you picture it like a physical object. So if you like sports, maybe it's a baseball. If you like a drawing, maybe it's a picture in a sketchbook. Um, If you like computer, maybe it's a file on your computer and you picture that emotion and then you get rid of it somehow. So if it's a baseball, you're going to picture yourself hitting a home run and smacking that thought and picturing it disappearing into the distance. If it's a file on your computer, you're going to drag it into the delete, uh, into the garbage and hit delete, uh, et cetera. And so the idea is you're going to picture throwing the thought out of your head. And for most of the kids I work with, they go, um, okay, well, what is pretending going to do about it? That doesn't sound like it's going to help me. Uh, but It's based on brain science. So it's based on the fact that our unconscious mind, which is where all of the learning happens in our brain, it's a very interesting part of our brain. It essentially has no connection to reality. So the way I explain it to the kids that I work with is it's like as if it's a little man working in a room with the door closed and he only gets any of his information through a computer screen. So as long as you type a message to him, he's going to take that as, yep, that's what's happening because he can't really see. There's no windows. He doesn't know what's going on other than the information you give him. Mm -hmm. And so what you can do is trick him. You can tell him the thought's gone and you threw it out of your head. And he's just going to take that as fact because he doesn't really know what's going on. So we trick that part of our brain into thinking we really did hit that thought into the home run field. I love it. So it's it's a brain hack. It's a brain hack. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And if we want a second one, um, the next kind of way we can go. So there's two kind of options for the brain. So we can do the throwaway one where we're tricking our brain into thinking it's gone. And we can do something else, which is called grounding. So essentially when we get anxious or when, when we get an upset thought, our mind essentially runs away with it. And it's like reality doesn't even matter anymore because we're just thinking about all the different things that could happen. And so we want to pull ourselves back down into the room and remind ourselves what's real because a lot of the times those scary thoughts are warped or they're not actually reality and so Mm -hmm. we do what i call five four three two one which is where you pick five things you can see four things you can hear three things you can feel two things you can smell and one thing you can taste in the room you're in just to kind of force your brain to focus on what's actually happening and give it some time to reset from those uh right and bring it bring it back into the here and now yes i love that i love the way you explain things. Like, I think that's so important to make. I mean, that's one of our beliefs at Connected Parenting. And if people work with children, they usually do this too, that you try to make it relevant to them and fun using their language, using things that they enjoy and that are meaningful to them, which I really love. I think that's really important. So those are things parents can like talk to their kids about and just teach them to do. Or I'm assuming the parent could do it too. If they're upset, they could be, hey, I'm going to do five, four, three, two, one. 
right? I, I just got upset about something that has happened and then you do it in front of their child and then show their child that you can regulate it. You can use tools to actually change how you feel. Absolutely. I think modeling is a really great way to get it across to your kids. And I know tons of the parents that I work with, I will share with them a strategy that I taught their kids so that they can support um, from their end. And a lot of the times they'll go, Ooh, I like the sound of that. I think I'll <laughs> use that. And so they are it. strategies that work for everyone. Uh, sure. I'll just present them in a way that's a little more uh, interesting to our little ones. For kids. Yeah, for sure. Well, and it, listen, it's scary for a kid to go in and see a new adult. So the more comfortable they are and the safer they feel, the better that is. Well, and that leads me to another thing. So if, if our listeners do have a child and they are seeing a therapist, let's say, or a social worker or someone from school, let's talk about some things that parents can do that can support their child in a setting like that. And maybe some things that aren't so great. <laughs> so give some thoughts on that. Yes, uh, definitely. It's, it's definitely a very interesting thing to uh, allow your child allow trust for someone to work with your child in, in a therapeutic space. And so the main thing is maintaining that boundary. So it's a big balance between as a parent, you really want to know what's going on. You want to be able to help them. You want to be able to support them and what they're learning and cheer them on and really support them in the growth that you're hoping to see for them. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the thing that makes it kind of hard for parents is it's quite counterintuitive for what they want to do, because really in order for that to happen, in order for the kids to um, make the progress they'd like through the therapeutic session, they really need to have a connection with the therapist that feels uh, personal for them. So they, they can't think mom or dad has a relationship with who they're working with. They can't feel mm -hmm. like we're talking behind their back and they really need to feel like it's a space for them to explore and learn. And so really the boundary of letting go and releasing yourself to the therapeutic process for your kids. So allowing mm -hmm. them to go into the session, whatever happens, happens, and really reminding yourself that no matter what, making sure that your kid feels safe in the sessions is going to be the only way that they're able to absorb the information you'd like them to learn. Right. And by that, you mean too, that they know they have privacy, like they have confidentiality. Yeah. Yeah, it's so hard. It's so tempting to want to like listen at the door, right? Or ask them afterwards. Like I always tell the parents that I work with, like when your child comes out, don't bombard them. How was it? What did you do? What did you learn? What did you talk about? Because um, it's very private and very personal for them. And, and parents need to know too, if your child is working with someone, if there's something major, the therapist or the coach will let you know, like you're, they, they have to if it's something that's really, really a safety issue or something that's really, really significant. But for the most part, they have to, you're right, they have to feel like that's their space. That's their special place where they can talk about things um, and work things through with someone who's not their mom or dad. Yep, and I think just really clarifying that while you have brought your child to see someone so that they can learn things and they can grow. And there's an agenda there of what you'd like them to get out of it. It's not school and it's not a tutoring session and it's not going to look exactly how you think it's going to look. So there might yeah. not be homework. There might not be a new strategy learned every week. Sometimes it might mm -hmm. be more chatting. Sometimes it might be more playing because mm -hmm. for kids and really for the 
therapeutic relationship to grow and to build that rapport, there needs to be some of that fun time and play time and getting to know each other. It can't just be all strategies in school. So a lot of the times it might feel as a parent, like what is going on in these sessions? I don't I I feel like nothing's happening. What am I paying for? My kid's not getting any better. I don't see anything right away. And that's because if you want the progress to come, it can't be instant and it can't be pushed on them. Yeah. I I say that, and this is, this is true with any therapy, not just, you know, your children in therapy. It's not, it's not like going to the car mechanic and having the carburetor fixed. Like it's, it's very nuanced and very complex and every child is different and it can take kids months to warm up and other kids will walk in and tell you like everything in the first 30 minutes. That's the so thing. Parents, I, parents always ask me, is there like a time frame of when we can see some progress? And I, I always say, I would love to tell you, but I've got kids that took one session and I've got kids that I've been seeing for six months who are just starting to open up. And it really depends on the individual. Yeah, it does. It does. So there's a, there's quite a bit of kind of surrendering and trusting and letting go. I mean, I know at Connected Parenting, we do think it's important to, to keep parents in kind of a loop around like themes and like general things but we're we're pretty careful to keep that confidentiality because that's really important um well I love it so if parents if parents are able to do that and there's there are lots of agencies as well um that will see kids one-on-one usually if it's if it's a an agency um like I know in Canada there and in Ontario there's there's agencies that are paid for by the government so you don't actually have to pay for your child to have therapy but you're going to wait that's the problem there'll be a bit of a wait list Um, But if it is possible, and if you think your child is struggling, and even if they're not, just have a few sessions to learn, to get like the, I would say to kids, it's like driving lessons for your brain, right? It's just kind of neat. And it gives them tools that they're going to use for a lifetime. And I think you do this. I do this when I work with kids too, that I I create a binder. Yeah. Um, And so that when they're done, they have this binder that they'll just always have. And they just know I'm feeling stressed. Okay, I'm going to go back and I'm going to look through um, my strategies. And this is, you did a book with a child too, which I thought was so interesting. Yeah. We were doing some emotional work with, um, which is something that I learned from you actually to do, Mm -hmm. um, is which I call the inside out activity because it's very familiar to the Pixar film inside out, uh, where Mm -hmm. they pick their kind of main emotions that they feel most of the time and they give them a name and they make a character out of them. Cause a lot Mm -hmm. of the times with our kids, they have this heavy guilt inside them of what's wrong with me. Why do I always ruin everything? Why am I bad? Um, Mm -hmm. and what we do is we give their emotions and name and create a character so they can talk to that character instead of talking to themselves and it takes some of the pressure off of them and it also makes it a little bit easier because for some of our kids talking to their emotion doesn't make any sense because it's a concept and it's a feeling Mm. and it's not real but but giving it a character and bringing it to life really helps them communicate with it Um, and Mm -hmm. so that works really well um, because they can work with that character uh, to do the work without uh, putting it on themselves. Oh, I love that. And so you actually, he did the drawings or something, or I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but they did the drawings. Yes. And then you created a book and then they ended up with an actual book. They created the characters and then we decided to write a story about it because he loves stories. And so we picked, I think, fear at the beginning and we wrote about fear having a nightmare. Um, What we do also, as well as the emotional characters, is we create a a fictional superhero, or maybe a character from a show that they really like, or it could be completely made up from their brain. And this is the character that swoops in and helps 
control these mm. characters, keeps them it. in line. And so it was yeah. about fear having a nightmare and the superhero coming in, giving him some strategies and him being able to calm down and go back to bed. Um, and we created this awesome coloring book out of it. Um, and we're creating some more in the future. Which I love great. it. I love it. That's amazing. And, and the, 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 the emphasis is really on creativity and play and exploration. Like it's not normal for a kid to come and, you know, say, oh, let me tell you about my day. Like they don't really, <laughs> sometimes they do that. But, but often it's through, you have to use a lot of play, a lot of fun, um, and you learn a lot through play. Like you, we're, we're yes. constantly assessing when we see, you know, how do kids handle frustration? You know, do they care about how the other person is in the game? Are they cheating all the way through the game? Like there's a ton of stuff that you're actually learning when kids are interacting in that way. Um, well, thank you. And thank you for those strategies. I think, I think the hardest thing for parents sometimes is not knowing what to do and what to say when their child is really sad or really angry or you know having you know, really panicking. So I think those two things are really great. Before we go, I wanted to ask you a question because it's interesting because you're you're such a natural at the column technique. You're such a natural at mirroring. Um, and I wanted to ask, because you were kind of raised that way, like your yeah. your dad and I, I mean, we we kind of connected parenting is our thing. What like, oh, I don't know how to ask this question. Like, what, what do you think that was like for you? Like, what did that give you as a person? So, yeah, it was definitely interesting being raised uh, with mirroring. Having such compassionate parents, I think, definitely set me up for success in a wide range of relationships for the future. Um, it's really helped me be able to deal with any sort of situation that's come up. So having felt that growing up, that openness, that support, uh, that open line of communication really... I mean, it made my childhood and my teen years exceptional for me because I had a friend and a confidant in my parents that I really trusted mm -hmm. and they trusted me. And that relationship was just really valuable to me through that time in my life. And then as I grew older, it just really set me up for success. Um, I felt more confident speaking in front of others um, when I would do interviews. I felt like I knew how to um, connect with the person on a level that would um, put me above other candidates. I helped me deal with professors in university. Um, anytime someone else is disappointed in me, I essentially had a tool in my back pocket to help uh, calm down that situation and move forward through it without mm -hmm. creating an explosion. So I think it really just set me up for success in a lot of different areas of my life, mostly in social aspects, I think, um, mm -hmm. but also just for what comes later when you're an adult, having this ability to connect with other people. And also it gave me a lot of my own tools for emotional resiliency and right, right. Um, just really well, set me we, up for success. We never taught you how to mirror. Like you just, you, you and your, actually your brother and your sister, you all kind of do it naturally. I hear, and you do, there's a couple of times Jacob's done it to me. And he's like, did you notice that I mirrored there? And I'm like, damn, you're good. I didn't even <laughs> notice. Like you guys, it's sort of a part of who you are. And, and I don't want people to think like we had this, like we had plenty of fights and all kinds of snits and <laughs> we had issues, but in, in so many meltdowns. ways, and meltdowns, that's right, clothing meltdown. Um, but what was so neat is we, because the connection and being able to talk in such a, a, a real way with each other and just knowing that you were heard and listened to allowed us to repair those things. And I also allowed us to have like these whole things and then be fine 10 minutes later. You yeah. good? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> so when, what I say to parents is it's not, it's, the more you mirror, the less you have to mirror. That's that's the best way to say it. Like, it's almost like you're filling up a bank account 
and and then you get to withdraw you can you can have a bird you can freak out you can make parenting mistakes and because there's such a foundation there um it they don't they're not as catastrophic like they don't hurt as much it's like a it's like a cushion yeah so and i i think the probably the biggest takeaway from what you're saying is that it if you mirror to your child if it becomes part of your parenting repertoire they will learn it intuitively they will know how to do it on their own without ever having yeah. to be taught it and then it's seriously a superpower it is absolutely a superpower in terms of like reducing conflict um calming someone down you know handling any kind of confrontations things like that um and it's it's not about i mean my god i was far from being a perfect parent we had wig outs all the time but we'd have this amazing way to come back and repair Mm -hmm. and then move forward with it, which I think is really great. So I thank you. Listen, I'm so proud of you. I, I And I'm listening to you. Like, oh my God, that sounds good. I'm actually writing <laughs> things down that you're saying. Um, but I want pa parents to hear a few things. One, um, that it, if it's possible for your child to work with someone, it's such a gift. I think it's so wonderful without the stigma, like without thinking that it's something that, that there's something wrong or you've done something wrong. I think it'd be really, really helpful. Um, if you can't, learn as much as you can on your own, like listen to these podcasts and listen to my other podcast, the, the mental health comedy podcast, where I'm giving strategies all the time and either model them for your kids or in quick little sound bites, don't sit them down and do a whole like, okay, I'm going to teach you a bunch of stuff, but like in little playful ways, you can introduce your kids to some of these strategies so they can learn that they can actually reprogram their brain. They can actually be the thinker of their thoughts. And that's a really important thing to grow up with. And that's a big thing that we all talk about at Connected Parenting, that it's, I think it's such a gift for kids to have that they can learn how to control their, their emotions. Their emotions don't control them and that emotions aren't bad, they're information. So I love that. Um, and I'm really proud of you. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, I forgot to mention to people too, you're part of the village. You're one of the the Connected Parenting team that's in the village. So that's where kid, people come like once a week, right? And they can get support and talk about their parenting issues and get parenting advice. And Absolutely. What? It's a really great space for parents, both to connect with other parents and to get support from team members. We originally created it as like a practice space. Uh, we found that exactly what we're talking about now, when you grow up with mirroring and you have it done to you, you kind of intuitively know it and it becomes like a habit mm -hmm. that you have. But it's also really hard to learn when it's not something you've done before. And you do talk about how it's something we naturally do with babies. And then as soon as that language starts, it just stops. So it it's not away. something yeah. our brain's used to. And so, yeah, it's just a really amazing place to practice uh, so that you feel more confident going into those moments with your kids. Awesome. That's amazing. Um, okay. Well, that's great. That's great for parents to know. Um, also, uh, don't forget we have our online parenting course. There's the video version, but there's also a version where um, I'm interacting with everybody and doing monthly coaching calls and kind of in there in the Facebook group answering questions often with audio and stuff. So we're, we're doing our best to create a whole community and a whole range of services for people to help you on this parenting journey because parenting is is really tough sometimes. So Zoe, thank you for coming on. I really loved having you. That was really fun. Very You're proud welcome. mama. Thank you so All much right. for having me. It's my first oh, no podcast. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thank you everybody. And I'll see you next time on the next episode of Connected Parenting.